0: There's gonna be some hard decisions that have to get made in Congress as far as social security benefits, Medicare benefits, defense spending. I don't know what they're gonna do, but I mean, you have to pay the interest on this debt. You cannot not pay the interest. You have, that's for sure you have to pay that because the moment that you stop doing that, your debt becomes worthless, nobody will buy it. The interest rates, you know, the, the yields will blow out on the bonds and it's, you know, total meltdowns.
1: You are now tuned in to Stay Dangerous,
2: Hey guys, welcome to Stay Dangerous. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors, Midas Gold Group. uh, It's a veteran-owned precious metals company. In fact, uh, James Clark, our friend, United States Marine Corps veteran who started Midas Gold Group, it is the resource for precious metals, gold and silver. uh, And if you go there after the episode and go on the web for midasgoldgroup.com and you mention my name, you'll get some free silver. To get started Uh, right now is uh, no better time to have your hands on actual tangible cash, precious metals that won't deteriorate in, a, in our market. And speaking of our financial market, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Matt Height is a former Navy SEAL, retired Navy SEAL, and longtime friend of mine, uh, worked with me uh, for the last decade at Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, has a pretty vast background, not just as a, in special operations and Navy SEAL, but in finance, and uh, he's one of the guys that I always talk to about financial matters, the economy, and uh, so I'm super excited to have him on. Uh, Matt,
0: welcome to
2: being on the show. Great family, to Matt. be here,
0: Chad. Thank you. Yeah.
2: We're gonna we're gonna break down all the conversations. Either Matt's on a long drive and calling me, or I'm on a long drive calling Matt, and we have these conversations. And I'm like, we need mm-hmm. to re- hit the record button one day. There we and go. Today's that day. So uh, I, I guess we're gonna have a second episode after this. So those those that want to know more about Matt's history as a Navy SEAL, uh, his uh, his deployment, his um, time of mighty oaks we'll get into that in a second episode so tune into that one later if you want to hear more about that uh w- want to touch a little bit on how you went though from being a navy seal to being uh, you know today's expert in finance
0: yeah okay <laughs> expert <clears throat>
2: i'll use it loosely but.
0: well i you know because you're a marine obviously we have to mention that i was in also in the marine Corps. yes to, you know yes. kind of curry your favor here but <laughs> so i grew up in uh southern california in uh kind of Los Angeles County out by magic mountain. If you've ever, ever been out there and back in the seventies, very rural area, I lived on a, a small ranch and had a bunch of animals, you know, horses, goats, chickens, ducks, this sort of thing. I had to milk goats before school. And this kind of thing when I was a kid and, um, both my parents were veterans and when I graduated, uh, high school, um, I went to San Diego state, but I also went in the Marine Corps reserve as a 341 mortar man yep. for a couple years. And I got to tell you, you know, whenever we go in on the weekends and do the, uh, the weekend drills, it, we never got to shoot. They never had any ammo. Uh, never shot any mortars. They didn't even have any, you know, rounds for the M 16s that they gave us. And, um, however, every Sunday we would have to spend four or five hours cleaning weapons despite that, shot. that we never even shot. And I, after a while of this, I was like, this is kind of lame. So ran into a couple of friends um, in San Diego who from high school that had just graduated from BUDS. And they are telling me, oh, we're jet out of planes. We're blowing stuff up. We're locking out of submarines, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I'm out. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out of college immediately, uh, joined the Navy, and uh, when the teams graduated from class 184 and uh, went out to SEAL Team 4 initially um, i love
2: the way you guys uh, all the buds guys throw out their class number because uh those who don't are full yeah, of it, right right so people <laughs> yeah right every right.
0: time you say you're a seal somebody want you know somebody's going to try to check you yeah or whatever so go ahead check me it's fine <laughs> um but uh so yeah so i did 10 years of active duty um until you know kind of toward the end of the 2000 and then i i remained in the reserves And I did a few things here and there. I was a federal agent for a couple of years. That was a lame job. And uh, I went to eventually go work with my dad in his commercial real estate business. And I've been doing commercial real estate ever since. In 2012, I uh, went to UCLA Anderson uh, Business School, got my MBA in real estate finance, and um, basically expanded my understanding of the financial world there and sort of took that and, uh, have used those, uh, skills and so forth to continue to grow and maintain the, the family's commercial real estate business. And so I'm still doing that today. Yeah. You and I talk a lot about the current economic state of
2: America globally. What what should the American people really be concerned about when it comes to the
0: economic state of this country and globally? That's a big question. Let yeah. me let me let me sort of run down a little bit of history here first to yeah. sort of get you where we are now to kind of catch everybody up. So and you can go back in history kind of to forever, but let's start in 1933. In nineteen thirty-three, this is after, you know, the big uh, Great Depression had started, you know, Roosevelt's president and he did a uh, executive order sixty one oh two, which confiscated from the American people, all uh, gold coins, bullion bars, and so forth. And, uh, you know, it was kind of claimed to be kind of a national security issue. But really what it was, was that at the time, you know, the Federal Reserve required 40% capital ratio for uh, the amount of money. So it had to have 40% gold to the entire amount of currency units that the United States had. And so they wanted to get that gold in there so they could basically print more money. That was really the underlying rationale for this. Um, So that happened, of course, subsequent to that World War II and afterwards in in kind of toward the end there, 1944, you had this Bretton Woods conference. Um, Interesting though, you know, during World War II when the Nazis were sweeping across Europe, uh, a lot of the allied countries, you know, they, they realized right away that, you know, when the Nazis went into Poland, the first thing they did was get into the bank vaults and start raiding the gold. OK, and so the other European countries got wise to this and started shipping their gold to the United States where they knew that it would be safely held and the Nazis were unlikely to get their hands on it. So, the, you know, by the end of the World War II, the United States ended up with a heck of a lot of gold. And um, during this Bretton Woods conference, this is sort of, you know, the allies, you know, uh, designing the, the financial system of the future at that time. And what they decided was that the U.S. dollar would be pegged to gold at thirty-five dollars an ounce, and that the other currencies, you know, the franc, the pound, you know, mark, lira, those kind of currencies, European currencies, would be pegged to the dollar at a, you know, at various different uh, ratios. There, so that was a big deal for the U.S. put us in the driver's seat economically, which makes us the, the global currency standard, right? it did but that was cemented even further right down the road so you know as time went on you know the europeans were watching what we were doing as far as our spending because they understood that you know they they knew how much gold we had and they kept an eye on how much money we were spending and so by the mid-60s you know with the vietnam war all these big great society programs that were coming out uh with lbj and so forth the europeans started chirping like hey You don't have that much gold with all the spending that you're doing. And in fact, in the first half of 1971, the French literally sent a warship to New York to pick up their portion of the gold that we're holding. They said, hey, load it up. And so we did. And then, of course, everybody else was like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, I want mine now. And it was at that point that Nixon, President Nixon, closed the gold window and so gold was not backing the currency any longer and that was the birth of fiat currency. Hey folks, I got a shout out for our new
2: awesome sponsor, Midas Gold Group. These guys are the real deal, a family business in precious metals for two generations run by Marine Corps veterans who are all about supporting veteran causes and putting America first. But the best part, they know that true financial freedom comes from owning private currency like gold and silver. If you're feeling a bit worried about the unknown and want to secure finances, look no further than Midas Gold Group. With all the crazy stuff happening these days, it's smart to be prepared. If you don't know, our financial data is stored electronically, from bank deposits to retirement accounts, and let's face it, our digital grid isn't exactly invincible. That's where owning gold and silver can save the day, and it's becoming a seriously compelling option. Now here's the scoop, inflation is nibbling away at your dollar's buying power. And major players like Russia, China, India, and Saudi Arabia are making moves to trade oil in different currencies. This could shake things up big time, as the dollar's stability depends on being the world's trade currency. The central bank digital currency is virtually already here, with patents filed and big banks making plans. And Midas Gold Group sees potentially sketchy implications here. Will it mean the end of cold, hard-earned cash? Is it tied to social credit scores? Storing all our financial info on in digital ledgers sounds pretty risky, doesn't it? That's why you can count on Midas Gold Group. They're here to lend a helping hand. They've got competitive pricing, top-notch service, and lightning fast deliveries all across the United States and Canada. And get this, they could even show you how to use your IRA and old retirement plan to own physical gold and silver without getting hit by any additional tax implications. So listen up folks, when it comes to precious metals, Midas Gold Group is the real deal and the only one I trust. Give them a ring at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653 or hit up their website at midasgoldgroup.com. That's Goldgroup.com. They're all about giving friendly, no pressure advice on precious metals. And guess what? If you drop my name, Chad Robichaud, they're throwing in some free silver with any qualifying account. You can't beat that, right? So don't wait around, secure your financial future with Midas Gold Group, swing by MidasGoldGroup.com or dial 855-322-4653 and make sure you mention Chad Show sent you. Trust me, you'll be glad you did.
0: And, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, economic turmoil in the United States in the early 70s, you know, Middle Eastern stuff and all kinds of other issues going on. But uh you know, going off the gold standard was a big deal too, and so the idea that uh, Henry Kissinger came up with apparently was he went to Saudi Arabia in 1974 and said, "How about this deal? You sell oil globally only in U.S. dollars, and you uh, reinvest the profits of your oil sales in the U.S. Treasury market, and we will militarily." guarantee your safety. We will sell you weapons and totally take care of you. And the Saudis were like, okay, that's a great idea. We'll take that deal. Um, and that basically spread to the other kind of OPEC countries, took that on because the Saudis are the leader there. And because oil is such an important commodity that every country requires you know, oil on some level, basically, and, and that you could only buy it with US dollars, that basically made it so that every country had to have uh, US dollars or US dollar equivalents in the form of US treasuries in order to, you know, have any kind of energy in their country. And so that sort of evolved to where, okay, basically all trade now is in dollars because why not? We're already doing this for oil. It's the most important commodity. And so that really solidified the fact that, you know, the US dollar was the global reserve currency. And so- But
2: But you have Nixon- taken us all that us dollar off the gold standard and you said you, you mentioned the introduction of fiat currency
0: and you explain fiat currency is basically fake and is backed by nothing exactly fiat is, is a word that means by decree so they're basically saying instead of you know gold backed currency we're just backing because we say that we're backing it yeah. essentially yeah and it has, no, really, it has no real value no there's no tangible value behind it and you know dollars are very easy to create and so uh you know that's that's a characteristic of fiat currencies and you see this every country in the world now has fiat currency and i don't know there's there's literally over 150 currencies out there you know most of them very very tiny but you see what happens when these fiat currencies are mismanaged in places like zimbabwe for instance right. you know that's a real easy example that's a
2: million dollars for a loaf of bread right, right. 100
0: billion <laughs> billion, Zim dollars for loaves of bread at the time, you know, ridiculous uh, exchange rates. And so, um, you know, this is devastating to uh, an economy because when you increase the number of currency units um, in in an economy, but you don't increase the number of things that those currency units buy, then the, you know, the things that you buy become much, much more expensive. And you see that all over the world, still in Zim, Argentina, Lebanon, you know, Venezuela, all these countries have hyperinflation. Mm. But every country that has fiat currency has inflation. Inflation is 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 a mandated part of a fiat currency. You will have inflation. You have to have inflation because the the, the currency units have to continually grow in in this kind of a system. And it's so, you know, the question is how much inflation will you have? MyPillow is celebrating their remarkable 20-year anniversary.
2: And they want to thank each and every one of you for your support with an incredible offer. Right now, you can grab a queen-size MyPillow regular priced at $69.98 for just $19.98. And for just an additional $10, you can upgrade to the king size. To claim this unbeatable deal, head over to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square. Use promo code Dangerous to unlock Mike's amazing offer. You can also call at 1-800-941-0272. That's 1-800-941-0272 and use the same promo code, Dangerous. pillows' patent fill adjusts to your exact needs, ensuring you get the best night's sleep ever. The anniversary celebration also brings deep discounts on all my pillow products from luxury bed sheets and cozy my slippers to soothing towels and comfortable mattresses. Now let me share a personal secret with you. I've experienced the my pillow magic myself and I can't help but rave about it. The pillows are amazing. I use my pillow every single night and the difference in my sleep since I've started using it is astounding. I wake up every morning and my neck feels great. Uh, I love my pillow. So here's your chance to join the MyPillow family and enjoy the best night's sleep of your life. Don't miss out on the biggest sale in MyPillow history. Remember, that's MyPillow.com promo code DANGEROUS or CALL 1-800-941-0272. Don't wait. This incredible offer won't last forever. Sleep better and feel better thanks to MyPillow. Right. And, And, you know, here in America, like regardless of your political affiliation, uh, everyone's affected by the inflation right we uh, anybody that's really honest can look back and over the last two years uh, how much we've seen the price of goods and services go up uh and that's attributed to the fiat currency in the United States absolutely and the money printing huge money, money printing, printing. Right, so A we, bill pass we're printing trillions of dollars that has no value
0: right and so let's explain money printing because people you know, that's a that's a statement that people oh they're gonna turn Just the money money right turn the money printer on you're not actually printing you know. Bills. Okay. What you're, what's happening in this process is the U S government, the treasury department is issuing bonds. And then the federal reserve is purchasing those bonds with money that they just created literally out of nothing.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So that right there is money printing. And so that when that money that never existed before is purchasing treasury bonds, uh, you are increasing the amount of currency units in the, uh, in the economy and you're creating inflation. And so, you know, for instance, in, and, and you see how this gets worse and worse. So in the, you know, the great financial crisis of, you know, 2008 or whatever, I think they printed something like a trillion and a half dollars, which was unspeakable amount of money printing at the time. In 2020, during the kind of COVID freakout, where, you know, hey, let's shut the whole world down and just pay people to stay home. They print, and of course, you know, capital markets globally totally cratered. It was a huge financial disaster for everything. They printed like, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but somewhere between five to seven trillion dollars were created, like something like 25% of the monetary supply how's that tied to debt we talk like it's all debt that's 100 debt, so that's to who like, to the US government okay to the US government and so yeah so every time we issue new bonds um for sale to the public that is a new debt issuance that the US government owes the interest and in principal on to whoever purchased it and um you know, like I said, when the Fed is purchasing it, when the Federal Reserve purchases it, that's called money printing. When everybody else purchases it, that's called, you know, particularly, like I said, all these foreign governments, they need to have foreign exchange reserves, FX reserves uh, in order to conduct trade. All trade is done in US dollars. So there's a reason for them to purchase treasuries and purchase their debt. So our national debt now is 33 and a half trillion or something like that today
2: unrecoverable right
0: right and so it's it's it's
2: naive to think that we'll ever recover from the united states will ever recover from that yeah
0: well none of look i mean you see how how the debt has been stacking up they never you know no debt is ever retired so when when a when a you know five years ago the treasury issues a five-year uh bond Mm -hmm. you know in five years, you know, they pay the interest over the five years. And then in five years, they have to, you know, pay the person, the entire principal balance of the bond, however much it was, you $10,000. And they don't just pay that off. They issue another bond to pay that off. So it's like the same thing as, um, you know, paying off a credit card with another credit card, Mm, the same exact thing. So
2: I mean, I, I, I try to understand this. I feel like I understand so many things at a surface level. You, you're obviously, you know, but you but really understand this topic, but the people listening, like some people might think this is like way over their head. I don't need to know all this number. It's just a lot of numbers. What's the average American, uh, what do they have to be concerned about here? Like, what is, how does this affect people on a, on a, you know, buying
0: groceries on a daily basis. And- okay. Well, let me let me tell you how this affects. Is because this is all it, it is complicated, and it's intended to be complicated. Yeah. Okay. It's not supposed to be easy to understand. They don't want. They don't want it that way. They like to make it very Who, complex. Who's, who's they? The the government bureaucrats, the Federal Reserve people, the Wall Street analysts, yeah. and you know muckety mucks that are doing all this trading and because so
2: they're they they're getting rich off of this. Right.
0: There's just. Yeah, exactly. There's any number of ways that they're, that they're arbitraging or making money off of all of these different situations. But I think, you know, one of the things that is sort of, you hear about, oh, the deficit, it's really a lot and people are kind of, whatever, it's no big deal. What, you know, in 2005, the, uh, the interest expense on the national debt. Okay. That's the interest that we have to pay to people that own our bonds. Was $300 billion per year. Okay. It's over $900 billion per year now because of board debt and the interest rates are higher. So, as the interest rates have gone up in the last year because the Federal Reserve has raised them to try to bring, to try to pull currency units out of the dollars, out of the economy. To reduce inflation that's what they're trying to do so their only real lever to do that is to increase interest rates which reduces borrowing and reduces economic activity and they're you know uh and so when they do that you know that ideally would reduce the number of currency units and therefore reduce inflation that you would see in you know car prices and food stifle, gas stifle whatever. the economy to yeah. stop spending right so uh, that hasn't worked because we have so much debt now that the interest expense, you know, the, the, the defense budget is literally less than interest expense. So the defense budget, something in the $800 billion range for this year, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but interest expense, that's just interest expense, $900 billion. Mm. Right now, and that is only going up because as they've raised all of these interest rates, all of the the new issuance of debt. You know, when you're paying off the credit card with the other credit card, the other credit card has a higher interest rate. You see what I'm saying? So this is a you know this is what's creating the situation where you have the uh, the interest expense exploding. So you have interest expense nine hundred billion. You have defense. It's called 800 billion social security, a trillion and a half Medicare, another trillion. So you add that all up those, those four line items basically eat up the entire amount of tax collection that the government does, which means that every other thing that the federal government pays for literally every other thing is above and beyond what we collect in taxes. And so so what does this create? That's called the deficit. Every year, however much money the government spends, which is more than it takes in in revenue, is the deficit. How do they deal with that? Issue more treasuries. Okay, well, you're issuing more treasuries in an environment where interest rates are high. What does that do? Increases your interest expense you see what I'm saying? So what's happening is they've created a doom loop, right? Where they can't control their spending. And so in order to make up for the extra spending that they're doing, they're issuing more debt in an environment where the, the interest rates are higher. It's more expensive to service that debt. And that creates a worse problem for the budget. So the it's a, it, this it's a, it's a, it's a doom loop. I mean, that's literally what this is. And so it's definitely not recoverable it's not something that we've never really retired uh any of this debt that we've put on it just keeps getting you know we exactly. re- refinance with the credit card basically
2: that as as this continues to get worse and worse and worse where's the uh, american people going to what, what are they going to see I mean, just prices going up and that but i mean but i mean the reality is
0: you know there's going to be some hard decisions that have to get made in congress as far as okay um Social security benefits, Medicare benefits, we don't have def- the money for it. defense spending. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, you have to pay the interest on this debt. You can't, you cannot not pay the interest. You have, that's for sure. You have to pay that because the moment that you stop doing that, your debt becomes worthless. Nobody will buy it. The interest rates, you know, the, the yields will blow out on the bonds and it's, you know, total meltdown. So They have to make those interest payments. Do they have to buy another, you know, aircraft carrier? Do they have to have uh, Medicare benefits? I mean, you have to make a choice. Choices are going to, choices are going to be forced here very, very soon. And that's really a big issue. Obviously, now the irony of this is that in, you know, because of this problem where you're paying off, your old credit card with your new higher interest rate credit card. You have to do that. They, they have no choice, but to do that. Now, can they bring the interest rate on that new credit card down? Yes, they can. How do they do that? The money printer. Mm-hmm. When the fed <coughs> buys um, the treasuries, they are a huge buyer They'll and they were, you know, up until like, like a year and a half ago, the Fed was purchasing $80 billion in treasuries every month and $40 billion in agency mortgage-backed securities, which is like Fannie and Freddie stuff. So this is kind of mortgages, okay? Yeah, home mortgages. They were doing that up until like a year and a half ago, every single month. So the Fed is gonna have to jump in with both feet here at some point and start buying this debt because here's another factor to throw in the mix Ukraine. Okay. When, when the Ukraine war kicked off, um, in whatever, February, 22, Mm -hmm. the Russians had $600 billion in foreign exchange reserves in the form of like treasuries and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that they need to do trade. Like everybody else needs. We stole that from them. We seized six, hundred billion dollars from the Russians, okay We didn't even do now these, this situation as far as foreign exchange reserves for trade, this existed during the entire Cold War during the Soviet Union. okay We could have done this to them at any time during the entire Cold War when they were a you know blatant enemy of ours and everything else. We didn't even do it. but Biden chose or whoever, okay, chose to seize these FX reserves from the Russians, uh, sort of a punitive sanction against them for Ukraine. Well, guess what? Every country in the world saw that and said, what? Like you're willing to steal $600 billion from the Russians who have nuclear weapons? I don't have nuclear weapons. So I'm on the bubble here. So everybody knows that if the United States gets Angry with you as a country, that hey, you took six hundred billion from the Russians. They'll take your whatever, yeah. like it's nothing. And so this is a real problem. So therefore, these countries are reducing their uh, exposure to U.S. treasuries because it's a threat to them now. Holding your- gar-
2: there's no guarantee. Yeah, because it.
0: if you run afoul of the U.S. from one reason or another, they'll just take your FX reserves and you're out of luck, pal. So this is reducing the demand for the purchase of US treasuries for our debt globally. Huge problem. And this is not going to be this is not a, this is an irreversible issue, okay? Because we did this. Mm-hmm. This isn't a math problem. You can't undo it. You right? can't undo this. Yeah. Okay, once this has happened, it's it's happened. Right. And so this is a structural change in the US treasury market that has taken place and you know these things you know happen over time but it's a very big issue. And so that's that lack of demand for buying our treasuries is what causes the yields or the interest rate on the treasuries to go up and up and up, which makes our interest expense problem worse, which makes our deficits worse, which makes it so we have to issue more debt. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, our, our this our is the doom the, loop situation. Our influence <clears throat> and trustability on a global stage impacts the global financial market. Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we have absolutely we look uh, you know, very unreliable now. Um, so the Fed is going to come in at some point and start buying these treasures again. That is going to happen. The money printer has to come back on. They have no choice.
2: Every day, more than 22 veterans take their lives. That's a devastating reality that we can no longer ignore. But what if I told you that number actually is much higher? According to a recent study, The actual number of veteran suicides could be double the federal estimates. That means 44 veterans could be lost to suicide every single day. Whether the number is 22, 44, or one, one is too many. But there's hope. Mighty Oaks Foundation provides a lifeline for veterans, first responders, and active duty communities struggling with PTSD, depression, and thoughts of suicide. Our non-clinical, faith-based, peer-to-peer programs Focus on spiritual resiliency, providing our military and first responder communities to overcome their hardships of service and find a new life purpose. We know that the road to recovery isn't an easy one, but with the support of Mighty Oaks, our warriors can find the hope and healing they need to move forward. Visit mightyoaksprograms.org. That's mightyoaksprograms.org, and learn how you can support our mission to end the epidemic of suicide in our military and first responders communities. Together, we can make a difference. Can
1: you expand uh, real quick, Matt, on the, the danger of fiat currency? Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, well, we can put value in paper money because we value paper money. But it, fiat currency has never held as a store of value historically. No. So can you expand on why that's dangerous and why it will eventually fail?
0: Well, you know, in in the, the reason that the gold standard really failed was that You know, gold has a problem. Gold is a great store of value in and of itself, for sure. But the problem with gold is it has it has a store. There's a storage problem because and a security problem, right? So what happens? What tends to happen is gold is centralized in, you know, banks and Fort Knox, Fort Knox, and this sort of thing because of the security issues of gold. It's difficult to transport around the world, so it's not really great as a as a currency because. It's hard to divide into small enough units. Transporting, it's very expensive. There's a lot of security and so forth. But so, and it tends to centralize. And so what we did in the 60s, right? And the the French called us and said, hey, you do not have enough gold for all the spending that you're doing. You are misrepresenting the amount of gold you have and issuing currency that um, is supposedly backed by it, but it's not. When you completely remove that backing and then the, the, the currency is sort of founded really on debt. Like you're, if you look at your dollar bills, it says Federal Reserve note. Mm-hmm. A note is a loan, okay? That is a financial term that means loan. So that dollar bill or $100 bill, whatever, they all say it, Federal Reserve note on there. They're telling you, this is not, this is not an asset. This is actually a liability mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. holding. And so, you know, all all of these incentive structures in the fiat system are to uh, expand the currency, the the amount of currency units, print money, because, and this is a thing, right? So, obviously, you know, we're military guys and, and, and all that, but I think we recognize that, you know, spending 20 years plus at war to accomplish nothing was really fruitless and dumb. And the fiat system creates a scenario where wars can essentially go on forever because you can just print money Mm -hmm. back in the day when everybody, you know, back in, you know, antiquity, when there was wars, which there were many, you got to pay soldiers in gold. Okay. When you run out of gold, the the war is over. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that's it. So that constraint does not exist anymore. You can print money, in essence, for a very, very long time, and you can just pay for stuff, you know, weapons, wages for soldiers, and so forth. But and at some point, the bills do. At right? some at some point, the bills do, and it, it's you know, obviously, it's impossible to say uh, there's going to be this like huge cataclysmic event that sort of culminates all of this, or it's just going to sort of slide into the abyss. I mean, we don't really know exactly how this is all going to shake out, but it's not going in the right direction and there's really no way to turn it around. So you have to sort of behave accordingly and realize, Hey, you know, the dollar is not a store of value, certainly. And everything denominated in dollars, you know, is sort of questionable in that sense. This, this kind of expands beyond the US dollar, uh, uh so being off
2: the gold standard, uh, I'm curious they have the, you know, you have tangible gold you have these gold contracts. Is that like the same thing where this, the
0: gold contract, like fiat? the gold contract is like a fiat version of gold, <laughs> of gold yes. right? It's paper, not real gold. It's called paper gold. Yeah. yeah. And so this is exactly a, a version of what the centralization of gold creates is that hey? So if you you're know, buying gold stock, you're not really buying gold. Exactly. Since you don't have physical possession of the gold, then um, you know, you're just trusting somebody to say, yeah, well, I have it on your behalf, really. Right. But you never, you, you really never know. seen it. It's not accountable. And you no know, gold has another issue that's that's difficult too. Is that I said a gold coin, you know, they're like almost two thousand bucks for an ounce mm-hmm. of gold now, pretty close to that, and Well, what do you do with this as far as like, hey, I'm going to buy, you know, a sandwich. It's not very divisible. Mm. And when you transfer gold around, um, you have to uh, you have to melt it down and re-smelt it into new coins or bullion or whatever in order to verify that it's real gold. Because there's been many cases over the last several years where, you know, gold transactions were actually bogus and they were like tungsten bars Mm -hmm. that were you know, kind of covered in, in gold or whatever. And so, you like, know, it's like that gold plate at uh, full ex you wear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the, um, so, I mean, you know, sponsoring the show is Midas gold group and uh, you, you don't have to agree with this, but I, I believe that uh, you having tangible gold in a mat, especially for a crisis, right. The, it's a complete meltdown of the system. We're back to, you know, world war z totally uh, agree. then having that gold is is important to have right I have, I have ammo i have food i have ability to get water i have maps up I'm, I'm prepared and one of those things i agree I'm prepared is having yeah i'm not gold. gonna
0: argue with you on that yeah i'm just saying as a as a global financial system right yeah. it's really it doesn't really work but for what you're describing yeah at an individual level it's yeah
1: at a security level yeah.
0: absolutely no yeah. question about so it you mm-hmm. should be diverse though right
2: like a and I know one of the things that in in your diversity portfolio is is uh something that's new to kind of kind of new is the uh,
0: coins the, the the digital coins, and I think particularly with you you're big on Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a Bitcoin it's called a Bitcoin Maxi. So <laughs> I don't I don't dabble in any what's, other what's ma- Maxi. What's, like a maximalist? Okay. So yeah, Bitcoin is a unique species of cryptocurrency as opposed to every other cryptocurrency. And so, you know, Bitcoin, I I think really is, has the potential to frankly replace uh, the dollar and and all the currencies of the world. It's not going to, it's certainly going to take a while. It's not something that's going to, you know, the market cap of Bitcoin is pretty small right now, but as opposed to the dollar or any fiat currency, which is very easy to make and huge amounts. Bitcoin is absolutely digitally scarce. So there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin and about 19 and a half million of them have been created to this point. And so there a are half man's th- left to be created. A million and a half a possibly, a half. Okay. It, but that's going to be created over the next 140 years, mm. the way that this, because, you know, Bitcoin is very interesting in the way that it's made And they call it. That's why they call it Bitcoin mining. It seems mining. How do you mine for something?
2: But how is it different in in this way? And I and I follow your lead. I've been I've been investing in Bitcoin because of I trust you. But I still like how is it different? And how is it not fiat?
0: Because it's absolutely scarce and it's not controlled by any person. So Bitcoin's issuance um, is is done by you've heard you know Bitcoin is is a blockchain. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so every ten minutes a block is created in Bitcoin, which contains uh, the transaction fees for you know, all the transactions that everybody did in that 10-minute you know, period or whatever, and what's called a block reward. So um, when Bitcoin was first created by Satoshi back in 2009, the block reward was 50 Bitcoin. So every 10 minutes, 50 Bitcoin was created. And if you had a, you had a laptop and you knew what you were doing, you could mine bitcoin basically and just collect, you know, huge amounts of bitcoin. The guys that were early 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 in that, the early miners, those guys accumulated massive amounts of bitcoin, but it wasn't worth anything. So it wasn't like, you know, hey, look at me, I have, you know, 10,000 bitcoin. I think, you know, 10,000 bitcoin bought like a pizza, you know, 2 years after bitcoin started. So they didn't really understand or the value hadn't really accrued to that point, but every four years there's a happening. So the first four years, the block reward every 10 minutes for Bitcoin was 50 Bitcoin. And then after that, it became 25, four years like that, then it became 12 and a half. We're currently in the 6.25 Bitcoin per block era. So Bitcoin mining is something where you have there's there's tens of thousands of specialized computers globally that are competing with each other to solve these extremely difficult uh, you know mathematical calculations, and whichever computer solves it first has the right to create the next block to accumulate those transaction fees and that block reward of six point two five Bitcoin. So. In April of next year, there's another halving. So that block reward will, will drop again to three and an eighth Bitcoin per block. And the last one is when we've seen the, the value
2: spike, right? And that's what
0: happens, right? So, so Bitcoin is a cyclical asset in the sense that when that halving occurs, it's a supply shock to the system, right? So right now, approximately 900 Bitcoin are created per day. And in April of next year, that will become 450 Bitcoin. So even if the demand for Bitcoin remains unchanged, it's the supply is cut in half. Yeah. Correct. And so the, the price will go up because you can't print Bitcoin. You can't create you can't new create Bitcoin it. any other way. It's impossible. Um, and that's locked into the protocol for good. So that that feature, that declining uh, supply, that's that supply shock that occurs every four years causes Bitcoin's price to go up. The supply cannot react. So there's no way that new supply can come in. So the only thing that can react is the price. And, um, you know, and that's what happens. So it'll go up. And then as the price starts going up because the happening, you know, speculators and people get in, I'll like, oh, look at Bitcoin, it's moving and people buy it up and buy it up and buy it up. And then it'll peak, you know, about two years later and it comes back down and it sort of goes through this. Right. It's, a, it's the cycle, it, the down cycle that we are right now, where everybody's like bailing on it
2: because they think it's crashed, but they just really don't understand the cycle. Exactly.
0: That's, if yeah. you understood the cycle, if you, you understand that right, right now is, you know, the th- this, this year basically has been a phenomenal opportunity to, to get into Bitcoin get into and you're not late. Like people are like, Oh, you know, just kind of ran up here recently. Um, about five grand in the last week, basically. So, uh, you know, people, Oh, wow. I'm too late. You know, oh, you never get it. It's, you know, $35,000 of Bitcoin. You don't have to buy an entire Bitcoin. Very few people own a whole Bitcoin. And you can buy it in basically any increment that you want. You know, when you talk about the, the divisibility of Bitcoin, it's, you know, one Bitcoin is one, a decimal point, and eight zeros. So it's extraordinarily yeah. divisible. I mean, in di- so one Bitcoin is 100 million Satoshis. And a Satoshi is like a cent. Like if a dollar is, you know... A dollar and a hundred cents. One Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. And then a hundred million Satoshis is like the cents to a dollar. So you have tremendous capability of dividing this up. And so, you know, we're not even scratching the surface on what Bitcoin could become as far as its ability to, uh, you know, become a global currency. And the other thing is with Bitcoin, it's, it's, you know, and and this is something I think, I think Christians really need to understand about Bitcoin. I think people look at, uh, digital currencies with some skepticism and I did too when I first kind of became aware of it. But, um, I looked at it because, you know, you could say, okay, you know, that's, you know, what if, what if that's the beast currency, you know, and with your mark on your hand and your forehead and this sort of thing. Well, I looked at that as soon as I saw Bitcoin, I I wonder, you know, I want to see what's going on there. It's the opposite Um, because it's, it's ethical. It's totally decentralized. Nobody on the network is, uh, has any more privileges or capability to do anything in Bitcoin than anybody else. Everybody's treated completely equally. It's on the level, you know, Bitcoin is also controlled by nodes, which I operate a node. Anybody could operate a node. It's very cheap. And basically, it's, it's a node you set up in your, in your house or something on your internet. And it will download the entire Bitcoin ledger from day one till now. And then as new blocks are created, your node verifies the blocks to make sure that everything is done properly. And these nodes, there's 10,000 plus of them around the world. So this keeps everybody honest. You can't keep a separate ledger. You can't do anything shady because... Everybody who has a node would see that and go, and that transaction would not be able to happen. And so, doing you know shady stuff on Bitcoin is really not possible because it's so decentralized. There's nobody in control. Now, by contrast, when you look at you know uh, altcoins or whatever you want to call them, um, this, this is, is in, in any digital coin outside of Bitcoin. Exactly. Anything yeah. as far as you know, I would say. I don't know if this really applies to stable coins. Stable coins are sort of digital coins that sort of emulate the dollar, basically. Right. But everything else, like Ethereum and you know, whatever yeah. Dogecoin and all this. These are essentially like a venture capital backed tech startup. Okay. And, and that's been issued with an IPO that never got approved. That's essentially what it is. So, so let me explain that. So you have a bunch of rich Silicon Valley. You know, tech bros come in and go, hey, we want to do, you know, Joe coin or whatever. And they they put up the money by the, you know, the computers and the programmers and they spin this thing up. In the case of Ethereum, which is the biggest, the biggest one, 70 percent of the Ethereum tokens at the time when it was created were held by uh, the original investors. venture capital guys and they issued out the other 30 percent to the public and sold those out so this is this is the pattern that goes with all of these the the founders hold a big the majority of the coins they issue some out to everybody um and then they you know hire a marketing guy some rapper some whatever Mm -hmm. you know uh, cute girl on instagram or whatever it is and you know, get the price pumping, and then the founders dump their coins. Mm-hmm. This is over and over and over and over and over This not again. decentralized. It's not decentralized. They own everything. You know, where Bitcoin, you just, hey, I, I want to mine Bitcoin. Uh, you know, that's how I obtain it. You know, the early guys, okay, well, I got 50 Bitcoin here from this block, whatever. So this was a, a, a natural, fair beginning, what Bitcoin had every other coin like this is basically, like I said, like a venture capital backed tech startup with a token that does very little, frankly. And, um, you know, so, and these are, these are, I mean, have you ever seen, uh, you know, Wolf of wall street? Yeah. You know, that kind of boiler room thing. they're, they're in that like garage and everybody's on the phone and selling these penny stocks and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, that's, that's all coin. That's all coin. Yeah. That basically is what you're talking about. You know, yeah. it's not as, and, it's a higher tech version of it, but it's essentially that. Yeah. That's really what it is. Hey guys, Chad Robichaux
2: here. Are you ready to experience the greatest beef you'll ever taste while supporting an incredible cause? Well, get ready to sink your teeth into the irresistible beef from Skyros Cattle Company. At Skyros Ranch, where Mighty Oaks Foundation holds our West Coast legacy programs, Wayne Hughes Jr., the founder of Skyros Cattle Company, has dedicated over a decade to perfecting the art of raising premium beef. And guess what? You can now enjoy the fruits of his labor right in the comfort of your own home with the absolute highest quality beef you can find. Hands down, and trust me, I'm a carnivore and I've tasted plenty of steaks and nothing comes close to a skyro steak. These cattle are grass-fed and free of antibiotics, hormones, and vaccines. And for the last 10 years, I've personally watched these cattle graze 25,000 acres in Central Coast, California, and the taste is unbeatable. When you choose to purchase Sky Rose Beef, you're also making a difference by supporting the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Wayne is all about helping our deserving military and first responder communities through our faith-based resiliency and recovery programs. And every single penny of your purchase goes directly towards assisting our nation's warriors. Let me reiterate this, because it's crazy. 100% of the proceeds of Sky Rose Cattle goes directly to Mighty Oaks Foundation to support our nation's warriors. So let's join forces and make a positive impact one delicious bite at a time and head over to SkyRoseCattleCO.com. That's SkyRoseCattleCO.com today and order yourself some tender, juicy cuts of beef. Trust me, your taste buds will thank you. And one more little insider secret, every warrior who goes through Mighty Oaks Legacy Program at Sky Rose will assure you that this beef is extraordinary and off the charts delicious. The very first thing our Warriors get when they get to Mighty Oak's programs on Sky Rose Ranch is a delicious Sky Rose steak hanging off the side of their plates with a Sky Rose brand on it, and our Warriors love them and you will too.
0: So that's now not something can, trustworthy.
1: Yeah. So you say it's not and and I totally understand that. But there are people that have made crazy, crazy returns oh, yeah. on altcoins. Yeah. Sure. You yeah. just you're just recognizing the um, the potential. Um, you, you pull out the wrong time. Yeah, and the, the potential you're get, dangers yeah. of it that that don't lie with Bitcoin is basically what you're highlighting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is a very, you know, the pattern of how these altcoins have arisen and then collapsed. I mean, it's just over and over yeah. again. And yeah, I mean, if you get in at the right time, if you buy you know, Dogecoin and then Elon Musk, you know, says something about it and it shoots up and you sell like, yeah, right you, way, you yeah. made money. I mean, that's cool. But I mean, you know, that's not a real strategy for yeah. a long-term financial day trading. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, and, you know, people do it and that's fine. Okay. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not going to stop I and mean, people going to keep doing it. I'm just saying like, if you don't have time to, and this is one of the things about Bitcoin, right? So, Because the dollar is so debased, its value decreases over time, you know, what do people invest in? Stocks, right? And so that's fine. But, you know, let's say you're a a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a plumber, you're whatever. So you have a job that you do every day to make your money. Well, now you have to sort of become like a junior, you know, stockbroker guy and try to figure out, hey. And you're competing against people that that are good yeah. that do this all the time and yeah. so in order to sort of like stay you know level with everybody you have to invest your money into stocks and that's like a second job to like to be good enough to really understand yeah. what you're doing um and make, and I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have stocks i'm not saying that i'm just saying with bitcoin you just buy more bitcoin and it's going to continue to become stronger and more valuable because of the scarcity, the digital scarcity, there's nothing like it on the planet. So, it's, but it's long term. It's not. Yeah, it's not it's, day trading. It's not day trading. I mean, people do, you know, leverage stuff with Bitcoin sure. and all this. Okay, I definitely don't recommend you do that. You don't need to do that. Think of Bitcoin as savings technology. Really, is what it is. Is that that the value of Bitcoin versus the dollar versus every fiat currency is going to go up forever? Yeah, and and you can't print them. So the scare, you know, just like a, uh, you know, you have a great artist, you know, Van Gogh, uh, when he died, guess what? His paintings got a lot more valuable. Yeah. Why is that? Cause there's no, no more, more coming. No more, yeah. Okay. This is, this is the, is it, that's, which, this is the Bitcoin message right there. Scarcity is value. And that's yeah. always been true in every situation. Sure. Which is this, which is the same. We talked about this the other day
1: with CBDCs. Correct. I mean, because there is, there's um, not a scarcity. I mean, there's, it's basically created cryptocurrency. Can you talk about
0: CBDCs? I mean, it combines the worst aspects of fiat currency with the surveillance state. Um, CBDC is a total surveillance token. And what this is, is a basically a, a crypto version of the dollar that you would hold in a crypto type wallet would be issued CBDC stands for central bank digital currency. Okay. So the central bank, like the federal reserve, and this is something they're definitely working on, uh, would issue you. Cr- this, this is the market beast. This, this is th- the market. Currency, beast. currency right? no question. <laughs> this is the controlled absolutely. Centrally controlled currency. So yeah. basically you would be issued, uh, these tokens that represent the dollar from, you know, from the Fed, mm. from the Federal Reserve. And these tokens, they know who owns it. They know where it's being spent. They can prevent you from spending you can turn it. it on and off at any time you, you can turn it on and off. They put expiration dates so that if you don't spend it by a certain date, it mm. disappears. Okay. That means you can't save. That's outlawing savings. Understand what that means. Oh, wow. That's literally outlawing savings. Okay. So, and, you know, for instance, I mean, this is, this happens in China. If you are on the bad boy list in China with the social credit and so forth, and you go to the train station to ta- take a trip to see your mom in Hong Kong or whatever, nope, negative. You go to the gas station, let's say, and fill up your, you know, your truck. Sorry, your carbon footprint has been exceeded this month, sir. You can't buy gas anymore. Wow. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that is made possible by CBCs. They can just take the taxes, gone, out of your account. Yeah, we know it, gone. Um, it's, it's the most evil, centralizing, controlling force. Because one of the things that people don't understand people like to look at all these problems in the world and say, okay, this is bad and that is bad. But when you look at the fiat, currency system and the incentives that it creates those bad incentives percolate through every part of our world our economy our culture everything and so fiat creates bad incentives and cbdcs i mean takes that and then totally puts it on you know yeah. steroids and creates the the platform for authoritarian government to absolutely dominate its population in every phase of its life so bitcoin is different because nobody can stop me from sending you bitcoin and nobody can stop you from sending me bitcoin that cannot be done okay because it's a decentralized system that has nodes and miners all over the globe and you cannot no one will ever be able to control it because it's so decentralized and 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 all that. So in a world where you do have a legitimate beast currency in the form of the CBDC, having Bitcoin means you don't have to transact in that currency. And yeah. so as a Christian, I I will tell you, I mean, just the way things are looking, <laughs> good idea to get some bitcoin and you're like just in the same way that you'd have some gold
2: yeah me, like i have bitcoin and i and i have you know the gold, gold and silver coins yes or coins and um you know another plug to our sponsor midas gold group it's a good yeah. place to go yeah. uh, I, I don't I, I, we'll close with this because we're out of time but so you know we, we're, we're plugging people for to go to midas gold group and get hard tangible coins but how do people get bitcoin so someone's like i heard about bitcoins
0: how do, how do i get into bitcoin I would say there's two different avenues that I would recommend. Number one, if you're buying like small amounts, like, you know, a couple of dollars a day kind of a thing, you go on Swan Bitcoin. That's where I go. That's where we, you we, go. We
2: have no affiliation with it. Right. Not promoting but anything. that's what
0: I recommended yeah. to you. Yeah. Swan Bitcoin is a place where you can, you know, set up a small uh, dollar cost averaging, basically, mm-hmm. where you buy it, you know, a little bit every day, a little bit every week, a little bit yeah. every month, whatever, however you want to do it. So that's one way. The other way is if you have real money that you want to put into Bitcoin, like I'm going to buy an entire Bitcoin or several of them, if that's what you want to do. In that situation, I would go to Unchained Capital, which is a, a company that um, creates a security structure around holding your Bitcoin. That's another issue about Bitcoin too, is that, you know, your, your money in the bank, okay. Is, just it's on their software. They actually have custody of your money and you, you know, you, you use your debit card or whatever or go to the ATM. Bitcoin, you hold personally, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. You don't hold Apple stock personally. You have a broker, Fidelity or whatever it is that holds your Apple stock. Oh, I'm going to sell my Apple stock. They sell it for you and then send you the money or whatever. Bitcoin, you have the, you have the ability and you should, everyone who does it should hold their own Bitcoin in their own Personal custody, personal custody. Okay, so just like you would hold gold in a safe or something like this, you hold Bitcoin in a uh, with a private key an encrypted key. And there's a lot to learn about that. But okay. if you're interested in Bitcoin, you will you'll, you'll take the time to learn. But Unchained Capital creates a situation where you can buy kind of larger amounts of Bitcoin, and then they have it in a in a custody situation where. You have two keys, and they have one, and it requires two keys to send the Bitcoin out of that account. So if you lose one, they you, can they can come alongside you, and mm. and you can get the Bitcoin. So that's the ultimate. It's called a multi-signature uh, setup, multi-sig. Yeah. So if you use a multi-sig, so that's the safest, best way to hold your Bitcoin. Unchained Capital, very very good. Call these guys up, tell them what you want to do. And they'll take care of you. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, not that we scared
2: the heck out of everybody, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and we should be should be concerned. Yeah, it's um, concerning.
2: But um, we, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this. Uh, second episode's coming with, with Matt, so uh, it should be. The, I don't know if we're gonna have it the following week. We don't know yet. But but uh, you know, definitely want to catch the second episode of Matt because we're gonna talk about his military career and his work with Mighty Oaks. We're gonna talk about some stuff that we both share in common with uh, on spiritual resiliency, uh, moral injury, PTSD. Uh, and it's that's, that's be it's gonna be a fun episode but before we go uh I got something that we never did before in the show and uh, we we're, we're gonna start ending the show with it so you're gonna you're gonna break it out for us okay we have a it's the what do we call this it? the stay dangerous moment it's to see if our guests can stay yeah, dangerous we <coughs> oh my gosh The stay
1: yeah. dangerous challenge
2: stay, it's the stay dangerous show. we gotta get some the guys in the back we gotta get some like Kind of effects, like stay, yeah. stay dangerous challenge. Stay
1: dangerous challenge, challenge, challenge. challenge.
2: We have a electric roulette. Oh, oh, the electric roulette. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're the
1: first one, man. So
2: you're the first one. You can't, ch- you can't it out.
1: Uh, okay. Just for your own, Chad and I have not done this either. So, I found out about it today.
2: So we so. pick, we pick three people. There are three of us. Oh, uh, it's got four. It's four. Let's see. But that way you get your finger in here. And we stick our finger in and we hit start and someone's going to get shocked.
1: <laughs> well, maybe you want to do it just three?
2: Oh, yeah, we could do it just three. It's five. <clears throat> go back to just three. There we go. Oh, gosh. Someone's getting shocked. Oh. No one likes getting shocked. No. I don't even want to put my finger in there. Yeah, you came back out. <laughs> Son of
1: a- <laughs> Uh, Come on, do it already.
2: The suspense. (laughs) They got you.
0: You didn't yell. It wasn't that hot. Oh,
1: wasn't that right. hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that what maybe, we'll dramatic. maybe we'll have to get a new set <laughs> yeah, the of the batteries to sh- on
2: that thing or something. <laughs> he has got a car battery back there. We could <laughs> yeah. wire in a car battery in <laughs> yeah. this thing. That's
0: I what mean, you did. He yeah. is a
1: Navy SEAL. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I expected him to take it like a chance. So.
0: I, I think that was rigged. Yeah. I, I think that was rigged. <laughs> I don't think that was uh, that was on no, the, the stay dangerous shot.
2: Matt Heights, staying dangerous. You guys tune in next time.